Turn over to Acts 19 real quick. You there? I'll let the class be dismissed in a moment. I'm just wanting to see if you can really see the Bible. Holler, holler if you're there. You there? All right. Read out loud verse 2. Ready? Set. Read it out loud. Let me hear. Are you guys in Acts 19? Y'all got different translations? Does your translation end up concluding that he asked a question? Was the question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? All right, I just want to make sure. All right, we've been laying a foundation. I've been taking my time at it. We wanted to prove that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. We accomplished that. We wanted to prove that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was God's plan, not man's. We accomplished that. I see a few visitors. You might not have caught it, so I'm going to go real quick. And you got to turn there because I want everybody, I don't know where you all come from. I don't know what, how you've been raised in the Bible. Pardon, yeah, we'll let class be dismissed. I keep forgetting about that, I'm sorry. We'll let the class be dismissed. They were all getting disturbed there. <laughs> you have to be careful on this floor. Did you notice that? It's a little oily. It's really that slippery. We had to put rubber mats underneath this carpet to keep it from moving. <laughs> but hopefully it'll soak in before the skating starts next month. It's almost 45 gallons on the floor. <laughs> okay, now I need one, one more favor out of all of you. It's not real hard. But I need everybody at the same time to smile. Just for, just for a, a millisecond. Ready, set, smile. Whew. Okay. See, it's a, it's a rough life out there. And uh, when, when the market crashed and, and then people were losing their homes, when it first started, we looked at each other and started saying, we're never losing our house. But then before the market ever crashed, we come close to losing the house because we were paying the church bills with our salary instead of letting God pay it. And we did that for a couple years. We about lost the house. And then I realized, you know, if this is God's ministry, if he don't want this ministry anymore, then why should we try to save it? So I told the girls we, get, we can't be doing that no more. Because it dawned on me, if we lose the house, I'm out of here. If we lose the church, we all got nowhere to go. And so, you know, I could be out of here again. Either way, I mean, either building goes, I'm homeless. 
And as soon as we made that adjustment, things started turning around. And when that market crashed, and all you hear in the news is bad news. This going wrong, that going wrong, people losing businesses. Everybody's leaving Michigan. Now, last two weeks ago, they said Michigan is the worst state beyond what it was. They've been saying it for several years. But now Michigan's the number one state where people, the least people are moving to it. <laughs> Which that's all right. I mean, that still means somebody's moving to it. We're just the least on the list. We were the top of the list of people leaving it. So to me, that's a flip around. That's turned over. We're doing better. But it just tells me that God has got big plans for Michigan. It's not that he doesn't have plans for the other states. But what's about to take place in the United States with the Spirit of the Lord, where he's concerned, Michigan's going to be the first state to get hit. It's not going to be the Bible Belt. It won't be Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not going to be. Are you listening to me? Michigan is the state. He said to the children of Israel, he said, I will uphold you by my right hand of righteousness. And when you look at the state, all the, all the states, all the states in the union are bordered and outlined. You can get a map of the United States and see the shape of Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas and Alabama and Louisiana. You can see those shapes. Well, those shapes were, those were drawn out and surveyed by man. But God himself did the borderline of Michigan. Man didn't do that. He did that. Now, some people say, well, that looks like the back of a hand. I said, no, that's the palm of the hand. Because when he showed me an explosion of the glory of God coming up out of East Jordan. Now, if you're from Charlevoix, Boyne City, Ellsworth, Mancelona, don't get a hair lip. He's not excluded the area. But he just said, you know, if, if, if somebody dropped an, ex, an atomic bomb on East Jordan, you will not be safe in Charlevoix. It's going to get you. Well, when the glory explodes up out of East Jordan, Amen. and God does Amen. the magnificent, the, the phenomenal. I'm talking people growing new eyeballs, people growing new limbs. I'm talking, I'm talking supernatural, awesome, you can't debate. It's a miracle. You hearing me? There, people in other countries are believing God and falling in love with him and without request, growing new legs, growing a new foot, arms shooting out. See, we're so stinking educated that we're afraid to talk like that. The reason why is the spirit of political correctness has crept into the church. And we're just afraid to get talk too bold about our God. But I'm telling you what. He is the God of heaven and earth. He's the God of all creation. And he knows how to fix your body. <laughs> if a seamstress can have somebody bring back a dress that's lost a sleeve, or the collar got ripped off, or buttons got popped off, 
The seamstress never looks at it and goes, geez, that's hopeless. They can fix it. I'm either so dumb, so foolish, or so convinced. To stand before you and say that God will do anything for you if you would just believe him. Being educated in this country has not been all that great for most Christians because we have educated, we've edged God out of being able to really be our God. We have enough God to say we're not going to hell. But God does not want us sick. He does not want us depressed. And that's why I wanted him to sing that song, because I'm seeing great depression coming over the body of Christ. And people are like, well, you know, he told us it was going to be like that in the world. He didn't tell us it was going to be like that for us. He said that in the last days, men's hearts would fail them for fear. And we're seeing that. But that's not supposed to happen to us. You hear me? We are called the more than conquerors. We are called more than conquerors. We are called the temple of the Holy Ghost. Did you know that in the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost made an axe head swim? And come back to the beach so that a man could put it back on the handle and give it to the owner. That was debt cancellation. He was indebted to that man. And he was scared. Evidently back then axe heads were expensive. You know how it is when you borrow something from somebody. You've had it so long it feels like yours you don't want to give it back. You know what it's like. You borrow somebody's chainsaw. You've cut with it for three weeks. You put it in the garage. They didn't need it because they got all the wood they got. So it's set in your garage all winter long. Come next summer, the guy wants it back, and you hate to turn it loose because it feels like it's yours. <laughs> well, that man lost that axe head, and he was concerned because he knew it wasn't his. And he knew that payday was coming. He had to give it back. Where did he run to? He ran to the anointed one. Because in the Old Testament, they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Spirit of the Lord living in them. They didn't have the Spirit of the Lord resting upon them. They had to go to somebody that had it. One guy died. Prophet died. Years later, a young boy, he died. They put put him in the hole. He fell into the hole and landed on the dead prophet's bones and the anointing that was still in those bones raised that kid from the dead. You know that same God now moved inside you? (laughs) The same God that canceled all of Israel's debt to, to Egypt lives inside you. They were in slavery for hundreds of years. And God led them out with silver and gold. Pharaoh finally got so fed up with them, 
He wasn't all that smart. Because Moses asked him when he finally said, have your God get rid of these frogs. The frogs are all over the place. He said, when do you want them to be gone? He said, tomorrow. I don't know why he didn't say now. I'll spend one more night with these frogs, but tomorrow I'll get rid of them. <laughs> well, I've seen Christians are pretty much like that. They put up with stuff that the devil does just another day. I've survived today. I can probably handle, I can probably handle the rest of the day. I hope God does something tomorrow. Why don't we just hope that God does it now? He is a now God. You know what I mean? He's in the now. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. It didn't say tomorrow faith is. Faith is now. We're in the now. <laughs> you know how they say, we're, he's in the know. Well, we're in the now. Amen. Now faith is. Now I've been made whole. Now my body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. Now I am a son of God. It does not appear yet. We don't know exactly what we're going to be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be just like him, for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> I don't wrestle with it. I wonder how our bodies are going to be changed to become immortal. I don't give a fine fig. I don't care how he does it. I just want to live forever. I want this body to get rid of the fat. I want to get rid of that sagging belly button that holds two ounces of water when I get out of the shower. I want to get rid of these man boobs. And have that perfect body that he said I'm going to have. I believe him. I don't know what my dad looks like, his body. I mean, he's with the Lord. I don't know what his, I don't know if, he's, if his hair is laying there on the pillow and it's all bones. They put that formaldehyde in there and it takes a long time. But he's been in that ground for 15 years. At least 20 already? I'm not too good with time. The time's been flying by for me. It's just been too much. Been a lot of fun with you. 21 years. Because he didn't see Jamie. That's how we have to keep that mark. My dad's been gone for 21 years. So his body's probably not looking too good. But when God gets done with it, whoo, I saw some young pictures of my dad. He was a pretty good looking man. So, that's what God's going to do to your body. But in the meantime, he said, God said in the New Testament. Oh, I'm on a, <laughs> I'm going on a tangent here. He said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he shall also quicken your mortal body. See, here's where everybody misses it. They think that that means that some, when he quickens it, it's, that's when we become immortal. No, that's the earnest payment until we do become immortal. He said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he shall also quicken your mortal, not immortal, your mortal body. Why? Because he wants you to have the best life possible in this broken down system that because of Satan and Adam's sin. You know how beautiful people are coming up like crazy. You can't hardly get a hotel room up here. 
Charlotte Boy's booked. The 15-room block we got for the women's conference in one hotel, that got booked. And all the other rooms are booked. And all the other hotels are booked. Why? People are coming up to see the beautiful colors of the trees that are cursed by sin. If they look that good in a fallen state, how much great are they going to look when Jesus comes back? Woo! Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. But we got people flagging up here to come see it. Well, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. But God had a promise. He wants that spirit that moved inside you to sit on top of you. Go over. See, this is why we had somebody hit the Facebook, ask the question why we posted it. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they asked the question like, you were here last time. You weren't listening? So I, I, I texted him back. I gave him a couple scriptures. I gave him Acts 8, Acts 19. You become a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. He texts back, did you say new? I spelt it right. You have a text. N-E-W. I, I got this last Wednesday night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with you before I get into a couple scriptures. I do have a watch. You have one more hour. It's only 11 o'clock. Look, we're doing good. We do our best to get out of here early. At 12. We try to get out at 12. I mean, we used to get out at 4. So, 3, 2. It used to be really pathetically long. But see, I have so much fun around the Bible. If I go over to Warren's shop to visit him, I have to, I have to look and tell her, you have to do dinner. Now, it could be 2.30, 3 o'clock, I go over to his shop. She wants to eat at 5.30. Well, you're going to have to cook. Because you get talking with him, we get talking about the Lord and different things in ministry. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Time just goes. And then there's other Christians that, you mean we got to read a whole chapter. Look, you better fall in love with that Bible because you're going to be totally shocked when you see Jesus because he's going to preach from that book. And I guarantee you, in his new resurrected body, I bet you he preaches longer than he did when he was in his earthly ministry and he went three days. Jesus would go three days and then decide, I think we should feed him. But we get so comfortable. I love driving in a car that these young bucks, they buy these Jeeps. They think they're really something. Six months, a year later, they get rid of it. They get tired of bouncing all over the place. They get tired of spilling their Mountain Dew. They just realize that this is not cool. And, you know, 
A Grand Marquis might look like an old poop's car, but they sure do ride good. And you could be riding a boat floating down the road, and you learn to like that stuff. But you got to understand, when you get into the ministry, you get into the Word of God, it, it, it ain't always that comfortable because sometimes God is using the Bible to literally rock your little world and open something up to you that takes you out of your comfort zone. See, I know from the Holy Ghost that you're going through a lot of warfare. But I'm going to tell you something. And it's showing when you're trying to sing. You're being under attack. But I guarantee you, your God is delivering you. Don't give up on him. Because I've been watching you. You're working real hard trying to sing with joy. And your joy is just... I'm telling you what, God is working things out for you. Don't be moved by what you see or what you're going through. Don't be moved by what you hear. You be moved by your relationship with God and what you know in that word. Did I just talk to you about the Holy Ghost? See, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, in, in the 12th chapter over there in 1 Corinthians, is that 1 Corinthians? Anybody know? Is it 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those nine gifts is for the body of Christ to literally mature and come to a place where you don't even need those gifts. <laughs> Have you seen that new Toyota ad? Where it looks like some... A stuffed man, puppet, comes walking out the door and grabs a door handle, and a woman is reaching out, a whole woman reaching out, smiling, she does a doorknob, and then here comes this big old man walking out, and when you look at it, it looks like a puppet, and you get looking a little closer, and it's all a bunch of people all wrapped up together and, and standing on each other, and it's wild. There's two people bent over, and they're forming the lips, and then the eyebrows. It's awesome how they put this all together. I was watching that, and I looked at that, and I'm staring, and the Lord said, that is how I did the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and every one of us all around the world who have believed on the Lord Jesus have been grafted into the body of Christ, and you're somewhere in that whole body, and you are important. So quit jerking around with the devil and let him talk to you about how you're not worth anything, how you're never going to make it, how you're of no value, nobody loves you. Come on, grow up, get over that. It comes with becoming a believer. The devil's going to challenge you. He's going to try to get you to believe that God don't care. God ain't looking out for you. God don't provide for you. God's not in love with you. God's not thinking about you. But he already told you in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I got good thoughts thinking about you. I got great thoughts about you. I don't have anything bad thinking about you. I have a great future for you and a great expectation in your final outcome. 
That's how he thinks about you. He don't think one bad thought about you. Man, Jesus. He don't have a bad thought about you. And here we go. Oh, think about how low life we are and how we're such miserable failures. Well, we'll never attain to what everybody else in the church is like. A liver, a kidney, a little toe cannot attain to becoming an ear or a nose. Whatever you are, you are. And you need to rejoice in God, rejoice in the God of your salvation, be glad in the Lord, and know that this is the day that the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it instead of listening to these lies and these tormenting thoughts that stop us from realizing and recognizing that this is the day the Lord's made. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. The devil's trying to get the church people to not be glad anymore and trying to rob them of their joy. But he said, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So what's going on here? The devil's trying to talk us into walking away from God and not fellowship on God so that we lose the joy. But he said, Paul said, by the Holy Ghost, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. That tells me that even back then they had attacks by the devil to stop being glad in the Lord. <laughs> well, now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I am so glad I'm not going to hell, Buck. I am so glad that I'm not going to hell. <laughs> it is one of the most exciting things to think about. Amen. That there was a day that I was, I, I, I was, a, I was literally a child of Satan. Hey, let them do their class. Come on. You guys get, get with them kids. Excuse me. See, don't take me wrong. But there's nothing more important going on right now in this room with you than me talking this word right here. I made a statement one time a few months ago. There was some visitors from Kalkaska that come in. Curtis and Sophia brought them in. I made a statement. I said, you know, <laughs> I'm smarter than... Most of you here. And I was saying, you know, or else I wouldn't be pastor. I mean, if you'd be. And they took offense to that. And then it dawned on me. Too many people think that, well, pastor's life, you just get up and you preach a couple messages a week. and uh, No, this is life. This is 24-7. And... Uh, you have to become somebody's lawyer. You have to become somebody's, I mean, counselor in business, marriage counseling, child rearing. I mean, you go through all kinds. you got so many hats that you can, you, you really start thinking, oh, I can't wait until we get to the, preach the Bible and just have to not do all this. 
See, the Lord, I, I'm pretty sure if the Lord would have showed me everything that pastoring entailed, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have went there. He just showed me this vision of several thousand people and said, this is where you're going if you're faithful to these 30. I said, okay. But you got to understand something about God. He is the biggest con there ever was. He's greater at a con job than the devil. Now, God's not mad that I said that. He said he's the high and lofty one that sits up there on, on his throne and <laughs> laughs at his enemies. <laughs> and then turns around and tells us, don't rejoice over your enemy's calamity. Don't you try to get vengeance. That's mine. I tried to steal it from him one time. <laughs> you know, you can make the Bible say anything you want. According to the book of Acts, God favors Honda over every other make and model. Because when they got up in the upper room, they were all in one accord. So what happens? Brian buys an accord. Trying to be a doer of the word. God does not care about Harley Davidson's. He likes triumphs. David's triumph could be heard throughout the whole land. You made the Bible say pretty much whatever you want. Now, the wild thing is, I had a reason to say that, and now I can't remember my reason. <laughs> Where was I at? I got so much going on in here. Oh. Huh? Oh, yeah. So I decided to make the Bible say what I wanted. I was trying to take vengeance away from it. And he was spanking me with the Bible. See, God does not spank his children with sickness and disease. God spanks his children, instructs and counsels his children through the Bible. Now, remember when he said uh, uh, that he chastises his children whom he loves so that if he's not chastising you, then he don't love you. Now, there's a different love there because, see, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But then when you look over in Proverbs chapter 8, he says, I love those that seek me early. I love those that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. That he says, wealth and riches and tangible riches are with me, silver and gold. So he's trying to egg us on. Seek me out. I got some good stuff. You know, you can have your grandchild come into the room, come up on your lap and have a candy bar in your pocket one time. And from then on, that child expects a candy bar in that pocket every time they come. So you got to watch what you're doing. You can't do it one time. You got you to gotta be ready. They have selective memory, selective hearing. My girls could never hear anything when we told them to clean their room. We'd be hollering it. They're just watching a cartoon. You got to clean your room. Bring the, bring the tone down. 
Mom said you guys go to the mall after you clean the room. Mall! <laughs> Selective hearing. So I'm looking at that mama. Somebody's done did me wrong. I've, I've designed a plan of payback. Now in the world I found, you know, what goes around comes around. Uh, in the Bible, you reap what you sow. Uh, they've, reaped, they, they, they've sowed something, and I'm going to help them reap it. Yeah, but if you do that, then it'll come back on you. No, 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 no. It's not coming back on me. See, because I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost, he said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and he just happens to live in me. So I'm going to let him use my body. Well, that didn't fly well. He, he don't go for that. So God has a different, he's a, he's a great con. And I know that kind of scratches you wrong. But I know for a fact, if I would have seen and understood how many times I was going to be betrayed? How many times I was going to be attacked by people? How many times I was going to be mocked and scoffed and persecuted and talked ugly about in my community? Come on. He could have showed me 20,000 people. <laughs> and I said, nah. Come on. That's a kind job. He shows you the end from the beginning. Doesn't say he shows you everything in between. So he hooked me. I saw an ambulance pulling into the building. I saw people jumping and praising the Lord like ecstatic, fanatic saints of God celebrating. Glad to be at church. So I don't mean to be coming off like mean or anything when I tell everybody, come on, let's come get up here and let's praise the Lord. If you could have seen what I saw, You'd understand why I keep pulling for that. Because I saw several thousand people that refused to be, I am not going to stay seated. They are praising the Lord. And, and they were, I mean, women were tossing bonnets, hats. And I thought that was funny because I had never seen a woman up north hardly, unless she's an elderly lady wearing a, a, a hat to church. And men were undoing ties and throwing their ties. Some kind of notebooks were being tossed. People were just couldn't contain themselves. Whatever they had in their hand, whatever they had on their head, they got to get it out of the way. Amen. But I realized that a lot of times people think, they come into the church and they think that the pastor's a little off the wall. But you got to understand, you don't know everything that the pastor goes through. And you don't know everything that the pastor's responsible for. And I know I've had it over the years. It always happens. There's people in the church that don't like pastor to get into their business. But when your business is affecting your spiritual walk, see? Because see, he told us as pastors that we have to stand before him and be judged as a pastor, not as a Christian. And that we have to be judged according to how we did at watching over your souls. So if I can see that your soul's in trouble, what you're dwelling on, what you're thinking on is not good. It's not healthy for you. It's messing you up. Your countenance is becoming like Cain. God had to come after Cain and say to him, why has your countenance fallen towards me? He said, behold, sin lieth at the door, but you must master it. Now he's not talking about us being skilled at being sinners. 
he's talking about us having control over sin. That's why he said over in Romans, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Right. <laughs> See, the grace of God includes a buffer zone so that when you do fall, David said a righteous man fall down seven times, get back up. But in most of the church world, if a righteous man falls down, we kill him. You backsliding heathen. No. You're supposed to help him up. Jesus gave you a good picture of it when they called Lazarus out of the tomb. Oh, he, he, look, he cries for him. Look at he's crying. No, he's crying because they didn't believe. <laughs> and he, didn't, he wasn't praying for Lazarus because he already told the father. He said, I thank you, father, that you've heard my prayer. He prayed about it before he got there. There's a thought. Next time you're going to the hospital to see somebody, you ought not have to go there to pray. A lot of them are waiting for you to get there to pray. You should wash your face and walk in and say, hey, I already prayed last night. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I thought you were coming here to pray for me. Oh, I already did that, but I haven't heard it. Ain't none of your business. You don't need to hear it. Just hook your faith up to it and go, oh, glory to God. I've already been interceded for. I am recovering. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate those amens once in a while. You're so far away from me, I can't even see half your eyeballs. Only those of you that have the lights on the top of your head, I'll be able to see if you stick your tongue out at me. The rest of you, you're pretty safe. <laughs> but I've gotten tired of making people mad or offended. But I can't be politically correct so that nobody gets offended. <laughs> we got to get on this Holy Ghost thing. <laughs> is there anybody in the house that would love to never be broke another day of your life is there anybody in the house that would love to never have another infirmity or sickness overtake your body see how well we're on the same page is there anybody in the house that wants to have everything that God wants for them Go over to St. John. I love this verse. Has nothing to do with the message today, but it's a good verse. <laughs> We can make it fit. I'm in John chapter uh, 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit. The flesh profits nothing. 
And most Christians have a hard time pressing in to receive all that God has for them because they're focused on that flesh that gets to profit nothing. And we keep trying to get the flesh to be able to enjoy some of it. Just tell your body, be glad that I showered you and put deodorant on. Because even alive, with you in it, that body will stink almost as bad as if you were out of it. <laughs> uh, I had some bad memories of my past life that I will not share with you. I got to go there a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, just, just a little bit. Have you, have you ever, have you ever uh, went out on it? You got to go back because most of you have been, you're married. What? Honey, honey, look, trust me. Have I ever done you wrong? <laughs> have I ever steered you wrong? Have you ever uh, been set up with a blind date? Come on. Wow, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The rest of you haven't lived. <laughs> or met somebody and they, they, you decided to hook up, you went for a date, and they were, you, you knew the setup was coming up for a kiss. And their breath, Smelt like a dog's butt. You were, you were unpleasantly surprised. You weren't expecting that. Huh? I got some worse ones, but I won't go there. Well, don't let past experiences of terrible letdowns hold you back from venturing into some new surprises in God. Because you'll never, you'll never be unpleasantly surprised. His breath won't be bad. The situation won't be bad. He said if you ask for a piece of fish, you won't get a snake or a stone. If you ask for bread, what it, he said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Now listen to me. You're never going to get a heathen to say, oh God, I would love to receive your Holy Spirit. He's talking to those who already believe in him. See, I made it fit. You okay? You okay now? So he says here, I love this part. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Now here's another thing you got to get. Every verse in that book that you read, are, it is spirit and it is life. In other words, it is him. And he does not lie. Amen. All right? <laughs> John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That means that he was not talking to anybody 
that was not thirsty. See, he singled a group out. He singled a group out. If anyone is thirsty, in other words, if you're not thirsty, I'm not talking to you. How about if anyone is desperate? If you're not desperate, I'm not talking to you. If anyone is sick, if you're not sick, I'm not talking to you. If anyone is brokenhearted, you're not brokenhearted, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the brokenhearted. For years, we used to have an ad in the phone book. Harvest Barn Church. Teaching people how to kick the devil's butt. I actually got a phone call from a woman in the ministry who was on TV downstate but lived up here. Called me up. I don't answer the phone anymore. If, you, if, if I recognize your number and know it's you, I'll answer it. But if I, I don't answer the, I don't answer the phone. I don't answer the phone. She called me up to tell me what an offensive ad that was in our phone book. That she can't stand to have her phone book in her house. That she saw that ad and she was appalled. And I almost asked her, what does appalled mean? <laughs> you know, back then. I, I, was a, I was a stoner in school. And I didn't really pay a lot of attention. It's appalled. I knew what applause meant. But I thought, that can't be part of it. It's not, that can't be a root from it. So I, the tone of her voice told me that that word was not good. And she says, because uh, I just can't uh, believe that my God would speak like that. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Uh, Has God talked to you about different things in your life? Has he ever talked to you? Oh, yeah. I said, well, the Lord talked to me one time. Do you realize that if you let uh, ungodly things into your life, that it can cause problems in your life because devils will come with it? Oh, yes, most definitely. I said, okay. I said, one day I was reading and thinking about the fact that we are called new creatures in Christ Jesus. New creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 has always been a blessing to my mind. Because it means, a new creation means a new species of mankind that does not exist anymore. And you can always know by watching the ads for the movies that even though there's come in the fall towards, towards October, they got the horror films, but there's always, all throughout the seasons, there are the superhero, uh, superhuman or superheroes. There's always somebody that comes on the scene to save mankind. So that, that's an indication that mankind is looking for the Superman. I mean, all the way from when we were little kids. There's always been something there to give us hope and dream about a Superman. Well, Jesus is that Superman. And then he birthed you, begotten you again unto a lively hope and made you a new creation, a new species of man that does not, has not existed before, where the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, moved inside and became infused into your spirit man and has become one with you. Now, he will talk to you from that inside man. Amen. Not here. Amen. Occasionally, 
I'm not going to say you, but occasionally men, women have heard an audible voice that came from, you can't tell where. I, I've heard him. But 99.9% of the time, he's going to talk to your spirit man. My words, they are spirit and they are alive. He's going to talk to your spirit. God will, when, when he says he chastises you, he does not mean he whips you. He literally meant when he said he chastised, that word means he instructs you. He will instruct you when you're off course Amen. with the Bible. He's not going to give you cancer to make you learn a lesson. He's not going to give you a hemorrhoid because you've been sitting too long not doing nothing. I know God's not into hemorrhoids because that was one of my first miracles when I moved into town praying over people down at the open door. They got their hineys healed. God made their butts whole. Totally. You think I'm joking? I'm, I'm telling the truth. The man went down to the missionary church the next day. It was a Sunday morning. He came to my house Sunday afternoon crying. Told me that he had to put Preparation H up there every morning at about 1.30 in the morning. He said, last night I slept all the way through and never had to put no Preparation H in me. And he said, and I, I had to check. He said, they're gone. He was crying. He said, Pastor, you were right. Jesus heals hemorrhoids. Well, actually, he called them piles. That was a new word for me, too. I learned that in 1988. Piles. Piles means hemorrhoids. See, and a lot of people say, well, that's kind of crude that you would talk like that. Really? Why is that crude when so many people who go to church and dial all up and take care of the flesh, but they got hemorrhoids? They're sitting there trying to make it look like they're moving in the Lord, but they're just trying to itch their hiney. Well, that is just, you shouldn't talk about that in church. Are you kidding me? Where did this politically cracked junk come from? God is in, he is so concerned and want to be involved in area, every area, every part of your life, but he will not invade it. He has to be invited. He has to be, you have to give him permission to bless you. He's put the blessing out there. He's given you the blessing. The favor of God is on you, but you have to give him permission. I thank him for blessing my life. I thank him for my body being totally whole when I got all kinds of symptoms coming. I don't thank him that I'm whole after the symptom left. I, hey, Jonah, Jonah was in the belly of the whale, and he called it hell, and he praised the Lord and thanked the Lord for delivering him out of the belly of the whale when he was still in it. And he called himself free delivered from the pit of hell and he was in seaweed plankton and stomach acids and no light and he knew that he was heading for the colon and before he couldn't speak he began to praise the Lord in the belly of that fish before he got into the intestinal tract because he knew what was coming down the pipe. Him. Huh? So when I found out that Jonah could praise the Lord when he was in a bad situation, it dawned on me. That's how you do it. That's how you get out. You praise him before you see it, and then you know you have it. 
Ah, we're not going to get far again. Has <laughs> anything come off my lips that registered? Because I'm seeing a lot of depressed people in the church that's sad. <laughs> so, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, some would say that, well, he's talking about the new birth. All right, I'll give you that. But I'll give you another scripture and we'll see where that, how that settles. Turn over towards the end of St. John. St. John chapter 20. Now, if you just take a glance at St. John 20, you can conclude it's real easy to see that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now, he's talking to his disciples who were hiding. This is where... Faithful Thomas needed to see with his eyes. They always called him Doubting Thomas. Jesus came into the midst in verse 26, the last part. He said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach, reach hither your fingers here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Well, why did Jesus say that? Because Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I can actually do that. Well, Jesus, that just showed Thomas that Jesus heard his words when Jesus wasn't in the room. You know, God told the children of Israel, he said, as you have spoken about me and against me in your tents, I heard, I heard your words. I will be to you according to what you said in your tents. So, now we don't live in a tent. Praise the good Lord. I got, a, I got a text from Miami Bob yesterday, and he must have caught it on the, on the news. I didn't catch it. But there was somebody surfing on Lake Michigan when we had the windstorm a couple days ago. 24-foot waves, record waves. He said, bless the Lord, you guys got a record of 24-foot wave on Lake Michigan. You guys get everything up there. You got it all going on. You got spring, winter, summer, fall. You got surfing. You got fishing. You got ice fishing. You got it all. Why didn't I say that? See, I got so much stuff flying through my head, it's hard to keep up. You lost it? Oh, we're in tremble. You're supposed to be my other half. Hey, there, see? So we live in houses. But I guarantee you this, that God hears how we talk about him, about his word in our homes. There was two, two times in the last 10 years that I was going through something and I was about to say something 
And he said, think carefully before you open up your mouth. Man, I, I, I stalled. I mean, I stalled for a long time because I got, okay, so whatever I'm going to say here is going to have something to do with my next harvest, my, my near future. Something's going to happen. And I decided that since I couldn't muster up something right to say, to just shut up till I could find it. Because Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are alive. But you got to understand this about your words. Your words are spirit and they are life. Now, your words might not be recorded down as the word of God, but your words are spirit, they're breath, they come out of you. And that is, you're, you're a sack of seeds. And when you look at Mark chapter 4, the sower soweth the seed, he, he interpreted it for the disciples, said the sower soweth the word. Now, he wasn't just talking about himself. See, he gave you that Bible. That's a sack of seeds for you to get in you so that you can go ahead and sow them. And how you sow them is with your mouth. You don't take the Bible and go dig a hole and put it in the ground and water it, waiting for harvest to grow. You take the Word of God, put it in your heart, engraft it in your mind, renew your mind, put the Word of God in you, and release it out of your mouth so that it can come to pass in your life. See, here's a simple way of getting it. Romans 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. But what saith that the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made. So if you don't confess it, salvation does not explode and become a reality in your life till you say it. I used to get people saved in the jail all the time. When I, easy, once the Lord showed me how to do it. When I was chaplain at the county jail, there was always a turnover of different people. And a lot of times, if, if, somebody, if some other minister on the, on the roster couldn't make it, I'd end up having to fill their spots too. So I always ended up getting in there more often than others. And I, I asked the Lord, how can I help these people, and how can I reach them and get them saved in such a short amount of time? And he said, well, just ask them if they believe in the Easter Bunny. And I thought, how's that help? He said, then ask them if they believe in, in the tooth fairy. Ask them if they believe in, G, in Santa Claus. Ask them if they believe uh, that Jesus is the Son of God. He said, when you ask them about Santa Claus, tooth fairy, and the Easter Bunny, they'll look at you like you're crazy, but go ahead and ask them. And don't move on until you get them to tell you no. And then get them to ask, ask them if they believe in Jesus, that he's the Son of God. And they tell you yes. Ask them if they believe that Jesus was, died on the cross for the sins of the world. They tell you yes. Ask them if they believe that I raised him from the dead. They'll tell you yes. When they can tell you yes, you can tell them that you're born again. I said, really? He said, well, look at it. See, it's not your works. It's not by your works. It was by his works and by grace we're saved through faith. And we have, we have in the same spirit of faith, and as it is written, I have believed, therefore I have I spoken. We have in the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. What do we speak? Our confession. So God wants us to spend time in the Word of God to in, deposit that Word and feed our hearts, renew our minds, get our soul saved. Yeah. 
See, he gave, he gave you new life in your inner man, your spirit. But you have to save your own soul. And I think the reason why most Christians are having a hard time is that we've become so busy. Busy. Burdened under Satan's yoke. We're so busy with life. We're so busy with responsibility. We're so busy with business. We're so busy with kids. We're so busy with, with an agenda in the natural realm. And it's all wrapped up and connected to the body, to the flesh. And he already told us that the flesh profits nothing. Not when it comes to spiritual things. And everything in the physical realm came out of the spirit realm. Everything. The trees we enjoy, they came out of heaven. The grass, it all came out of God. Everything in the physical realm literally was birthed by the spirit realm. It's not the other way around. So there's nothing we can do in the physical realm to make things better for ourselves apart from being a doer of the Word of God first. Because it's the Word of God that turns everything around in the physical realm. See, you should never confess, I am so depressed. I see it on Facebook. I am so bored. I want to reply back, be it unto you according to your word. So he says here, check me out, Thomas. See, it's me. But back up to verse 21, John 20. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Wait a minute, he said his words were spirit and they are live. Spirit means breath, same word. Sometimes it's defined, sometimes it's, it's, it's translated uh, breath and sometimes it's translated spirit, but it's the same Greek word. So he breathed on them and said, I don't think you can separate he breathed and said. I believe that the words was the breath that he breathed. I used to think that he but says he breathed on them and said. And these words is what he said. Receive the Holy Spirit. Right then, the Holy Spirit begotten them again. They were born again. Now he tells these same guys that just got quickened. When he said that, they didn't get, oh, do you feel the goosebumps? Oh, what a time. No, no, no. Their inner man got boom. And the weight of sin was off them. They felt it. I mean, when I got born again, I don't know if you guys remember it, but when I got saved, it felt like this sack of weight was off my, my shoulders. 
A spiritual weight. You didn't even know it was there until it left you. And you went, whoa, whoa. Well, that, that's when you got quickened, born again. That yoke, that, that, that harness that Satan had over you was broke off and you were free. Well, so now he tells them something over here. Same group. They're talking together in Acts chapter 1. They were assembled together in verse 4. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So the promise of the Father was not being born again. They already got that. The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard it from me, that John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. These guys are already quickened, beloved. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, and it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see the process? God wants you to be a witness for him. I don't think any Christian can be a, 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 a great witness for God by just being born again. Now, I want to show you something that I picked up in the Bible. I noticed something. I'll give you just a couple verses. Two different examples. I noticed that as soon as somebody got saved, that God by his own spirit, or God moving them on the apostles, sent somebody else to those believers for them to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. So God did not want, and it took about three months later, it, when I got saved, about three months later, I got introduced to him. And I found it in the Bible that this is like God's plan. But I noticed that it's not the same nowadays. And I, I think, I could be wrong, but I think that the reason why is this. I wrote it down yesterday. In the early church, I got 10 minutes. In the early church, it was normal to receive the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For there was no doctrines of men to preach or teach against it. Amen. Hadn't been established yet. See, these doctrines of men, these teachings against the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not from God, it's from the devil. It is. And I'm not ashamed or embarrassed. Lots of stuff being taught in the church that didn't come from God. I remember one pastor's testimony that he, all of a sudden he saw a, a real bright light in his office behind, a, behind the altar. His office was in the back, and this spirit, he thought, it didn't scare him, but he knew it wasn't a man, and he had a bright brightness about him, and he said, who, who are you? He said, I am the spirit that's been giving you your messages to preach for the last five years, and it wasn't an angel of the Lord. And that man went from being a regular old preacher in a denomination to a spirit-filled minister. I guess so. He was changed just like that. He, he knew. Great testimony. 
So in the early church, it was normal to receive the promise of the Father, and it was easy for that to happen, to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for there was no doctrines of men to preach or teach against it. And then I looked at Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the scoffing. I'm going to ask you to read chapter 2 on your own, and some of the time we'll get into it, because I'm not getting off this subject for a while. It's time, it's time to push this to, to where every one of us, it just is normal for us if we run into other Christians uh, from wherever. And say, hey man, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you got saved? I mean, I'm thinking about getting some church shirts made up. I don't know how many would be bold enough to wear one. Won't have my face on it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I've been in some... I've been in some big pastors, well-known ministers, known around the world. I've been in some of their offices. And they got, the pictures of them are always bigger than all the pictures of all the ministers they know. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking eight by ten pictures of all these well-known ministers that have come to their church and preach, and there'd be a picture of them together, and then be eight by ten pictures. But then the pastor of that church would be a, 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 a poster-sized picture of him. And I was, oh dear Jesus, that doesn't even need a caption above it. Moving right along. So he says, you'll receive power. He wants you to take your neighborhood first. He wants you to take your town first. So you got no business trying to get out of your town and try to move to some foreign country to become a missionary somewhere when you haven't even tried to take your town. Come on, some of you that really got these dreams about traveling and being somewhere and do a magnificent ministry in a third world country. You got no business even going there until you've done all you could to win your town. That's like saying... I am not staying in third grade. I'm going to the 12th grade tomorrow. <laughs> right. You got to understand something about God. Promotion comes from him. Not from the north, the south, the east, or the west, but promotion comes from him. And he's not going to promote you from third grade to 12th grade till you've gone through all these grades. And by the time you get to 12th grade, you've done took your town, you took Jerusalem, you took Samaria, you took the regions around you. Now you're seasoned and you're ready for a third world country. I've been invited to go to Zimbabwe. Way, way down there where the snakes grow big. I hate snakes. I've been letting the garden snakes live in my yard lately. I have decided to quit killing them years ago because they're good for your yard. But I don't like them. They, 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 they look like the devil. I look at them and say, oh, you little devil. <laughs> There's nothing pleasant about them. I'd never date a girl that had a snake. Oh, I love snakes. You ain't right. <laughs> Are you talking about me? I don't know. You got one? I don't like snakes. If, 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 if cats, if it was a cat, if a cat talked to Eve, oh, you don't, oh, he don't want you to eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil because then you'll be like God. I will? 
Are you kidding me, Eve? You are already like God. He said, let's make man in our image and after our likeness. When he made you, he made you in his image and after his likeness. You're just like him. But Eve, oh, don't, you, don't the devil do that with you? He's always trying to talk to you like you're not complete. But you know over in Colossians, he said, you are complete in Christ. You're already complete. And, whoa, I got to get something else. I got to have something else. I got, oh, I'm not complete. What? Don't you read that book? And if a cat was an animal that was used in the garden to deceive Eve, that cat wouldn't look as good as it does today. That cat's eyes would be slanted eyed. That cat would have a tongue comes out, forked tongue cat. Can you imagine a, a forked tongue cat trying to eat nine lives? But if a cat was in the garden and it was a cat that yielded to a spirit and let a spirit get in and lie to, and talk to Eve, I'd hate cats. And I don't hate cats. Anyway, I got five minutes. I'm going to see how to end this. I had to make a point. I had to make a point. Okay, I said that. I, I'm going to read my future blog. This will be my first blog. I ain't never done a blog, have I? I might have done one. Everybody around the country is reading your blogs. They love them. I got to throw one out there and see what they think of mine. If I fail, that's okay with me. That means I don't have to do it no more. Because <laughs> they ask us to do it every month. And I haven't done it in the last five months. So here's my blog. This, I don't know what Sister Janine was saying, but she said something the other night. And all of a sudden, uh, bam! And I had enough smarts. I know it don't look polite. I got my head down and it looks, looks like I'm not paying attention. And she probably thinks I'm making notes and I'm going to critique her and I'm going to have a little talk with her afterwards. But I had to write this down. He said, to my heart, sitting in the front row, the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus did with his life here, makes it possible for us to be born again by and with his Holy Spirit by our faith in Jesus' death, his shed blood for sin, and the resurrection from the dead. And then by baptism in his spirit, he is able to conform us into the image of Christ and make us the new creation that's happened on the inner man, on our, in our hearts at the new birth, to become a living reality in our lives lived out in this earth. Using our bodies as instruments of righteousness where we used to use our bodies bound to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. We become living proof of Jesus' resurrection by his nature, his personality, manifesting in and through us in our lives in this earth. And then he gave me a verse of scripture, Galatians 2 and 20, to uh, confirm that. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But it's not me that liveth, it's Jesus Christ who lives in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died for me. Then he said, I don't frustrate the grace of God. So the Holy Spirit has moved into your inner man, quickened you, made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now he wants to be able to have Jesus baptize you in that same spirit, that's why when John saw him coming over the hill and Jesus come to get baptized and he said, you come to be baptized by me, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. John knew that Jesus was going to be the one that baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. 
So when Jesus baptizes you, the same spirit that's in your inner man now is all over you. It's like having the glass of water, that water in the glass, that's the spirit of God infused, become one with your spirit. But being baptized in the Holy Spirit is to have what, what David said, my cup runneth over. It's the same spirit on the inside now come out on the outer man. And it affects your physical body. It affects your life in Christ Jesus. It makes what happened on the inside known to everybody on the outside because it changes your conduct and sin which had dominion over you. The power to say no to sin is because of the new birth and the Holy Ghost. You have a greater impact in the earth having that same spirit that's in your inner man on the outside of you. Amen. Smith Wigglesworth couldn't travel anywhere. People would get freaked out because he'd get on a train. And they said, my God, you're, you're, there's a brightness on you. Somehow you're, you're making me aware of my sin. And he wasn't even talking. I'll give you one. Just a few days ago, I was in McDonald's. We were oiling this floor. We got two-thirds of the way done, and we realized we're going to need a couple more gallons. Otherwise, we're going to have about a seven-foot swap, and we're not going to, and they're going to be white. So me and Tom went to go get some more linseed oil and some, some thinner, and then we decided to go to McDonald's. I want to go to McDonald's, get me something to eat, and get me something to eat. We're sitting there, and I, was, I watched an F-150 pull in, brand-new truck, fairly new. I saw an old man. I saw his tie. He had a suit coat on. This guy looked like he was about 70 years old, 65 years old. And he, he pulls around, and he's parking. I, I said, look at that old man. They're from out of town. They pulled in here. He's got a suit on. First thing I'm thinking, he's involved in some kind of church. So I, they walk on in. He orders just french fries for himself. His wife orders an ice cream cone. And they're going to sit down. So I'm telling Tom. He's my witness. I said, they're in some kind of witness. He almost looks like a Baptist guy the way he combed his hair. I was wrong about that. But I wasn't wrong about it being involved in ministry. So Tom sees, well, ask him. That's why I can't ask him yet. He's eating. Don't you hate it when you're eating? At the restaurant, and all these waitresses went to waitress school, and they said, ask them when their mouth is full of food if everything's okay, because most people won't talk when they got food in their mouth. They'll just nod yes, and you can move on. And, and, and I, all these waitresses always wait until, I'm like, so I, I question them. You're waiting for me to put food in my mouth, weren't you? And they look at me like, huh? And I laugh. I'm just kidding you. But it seems like every time they ask you that question, you're eating. So I didn't want to bother the guy while he's chewing on his french fries. But I knew in my spirit. Now God was waking me up with something just like he was waking Peter up. Because see, Peter, in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, it's all about Cornelius who did not know Jesus. He feared God. He gave alms. And an angel came to him and told him, go get Simon Peter. He's at a guy's name, Peter, down by the river. He's a tanner. Down by the lake. It's a day's journey. He'll tell you words whereby you and your household will be saved. So Peter comes. After several times, the nuts drop down, the animals let loose. The Lord says, take, Peter, kill, eat. No, 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 I'm Jew, man, I'm Jewish. I don't need anything on that kosher. No, 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 I don't need anything common. He said, what I have cleansed, don't you call common. We established this the other day. So God was telling Peter, 
What I have cleansed. What does he mean by that? By his blood. See, from Father God's perspective, there isn't anybody on the planet that's not forgiven. Do you know that? He sees everybody saved. And he told Peter, what I have cleansed, don't you call common. Peter can't figure it out. Behold, a couple men looking for you. Go with them, doubting nothing. He gets to Cornelius' house. First thing he says, you know it's unlawful, me being a Jew, being in here in this, in this house with you Gentiles. But I perceive that God is not a respecter of person. What was he doing? Peter was saying, but I realize that you guys have been pardoned too. And he starts talking to them about how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And all of a sudden, they all got born again. Bam! Just like that. There wasn't even an altar call. Don't you want to be saved? Come up, come up and give your heart to Jesus. None of that. All of a sudden, bam! Cornelius' family, all his friends, got born again, quickened, and nobody even asked him if they wanted him. And then all of a sudden, they got freaked out because them being Jews, they received the promise of the Father. They were praying in tongues. They were prophesying. And all of a sudden, they heard Cornelius and all these other Gentiles speaking in tongues and prophesying and magnifying God. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. Peter says, don't you think we ought to take them down in the river and dunk them in the water and let them get baptized in the name of Jesus since they all got saved filled with the Holy Ghost like us? <laughs> Boy, was that out of order. See, we got it first. We get him saved. Then we get them baptized in the water. Then we see we want to get them the Holy Ghost. So we found there in Acts chapter 9 that there wasn't even anybody instructing them and they could get the promise of the Father. Then we see in Acts chapter 8, after Philip's been preaching to them and they all get delivered and they all get saved, that the disciples said this. Go over there real quick and I'll let you go. While you're turning over there to 8, what? So Acts 1 and 4, it's called the promise of the Father. I ask you on your own to read Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 and 38, you'll find this statement that Peter said. Repent, change the way you're thinking, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise... What promise? The promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is unto you and unto anybody else that is called by God. So we got two verses that says that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise from God the Father. In other words, it is His plan. All right? Where did I tell you to go? I got to quit. Verse 5, Philip went down and he preached to the, uh, uh, to the Samaritans. He preached Christ Jesus unto them. Um, they all get born again. There's a large crowd of them getting saved. Verse 13, Simon also himself believed and was baptized. He continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Verse 14, now when the apostles that were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. What does that mean? When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that the people in Samaria had been preached to about the Lord Jesus by Philip and that they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and they got baptized down on the river. 
that they decided it was time to send Peter and John to them who when they had come down, verse 15, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. They received the Holy Spirit when they got born again. Yes, but God wanted more. They got born again. Now he wants the promise to get to them. Watch what he says here. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. See, he wasn't trying to move into them. He already did that. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. But when Simon saw that people could receive the Holy Spirit, so he saw something. Now, it don't say right there that they spoke in tongues. But it does in Acts chapter 10. And Acts chapter 11, and then one more last one over here. Acts chapter 19. What we posted on our Facebook or our website, I don't know which one you did. Facebook. Verse 1 of 19, it happened while Apollos, while, at, while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, said unto them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we have not so much as heard whether there is any Holy Spirit. He said unto them, well, then how were you baptized? They said, oh, we were baptized in John's baptism. He said, well, then John did indeed baptize with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, whom he, him whom would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because they already become believers. But they hadn't heard about the water baptism and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I saw that happen to my dad. <laughs> my dad. I've been tarrying for years for the Holy Ghost. I've been tarrying for years. I got so aggravated after so many years of hearing that, and I knew my dad was missing it. I said, Dad, why don't you just go ahead and accept it? If you ask, he said, if you ask for the Holy Ghost, he's not going to give you a snake, a snake or a stick. He'll give you the Holy Ghost. You've already asked, my God, well, just go ahead and thank him for it. My dad, all of a sudden, the light went on. My dad looked at me. First, he wanted to be mad because I was talking to him so stern. Boy, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. He had that kind of tone look in his eye. And all of a sudden, the light went off. I have been asking. He doesn't. And all of a sudden, my dad got hit with the Holy Ghost, and he, he couldn't talk English. And he, but all of a sudden, he's, he started to have a different language. And I heard different, different languages coming out. And it come out of him like a flood. And my dad all of a sudden started pointing to the, all around the room. And I knew he was pointing out, out, out in the world. And he was declaring something. I didn't know what he was declaring. I was so shocked at what was going on with my dad, I didn't even think to ask the Lord, what is he saying? <laughs> I didn't even think about praying for an interpretation. But I'm telling you what, my dad got hit by the Holy Spirit. And when he got hit by the Holy Spirit, you couldn't shut my dad up. I don't care where he was standing. He could be anywhere. And he ain't not going to hide Jesus. Too many Christians putting Jesus in their pocket when they go to Glens. But dear God, I mean, come on, you know, don't be so crazy that you're driving everybody out of Glens. Like some of the stuff we talk about in church, you might not want to talk about it in Glens. I got enough people already that won't get near me in the aisles. I don't know them, but evidently they know who I am and they are scattering. And they're just turning the other way. I'm like, somebody's ratting on me. I do get a little wound up, but it's okay. 
My God, if you were where I was at when, you got, when I got saved, you'd be a little wound up too. And, and, and all of us have been born again in, in some different stage in our life. And some of us have had some dramatic conversions. And some of us, my daughters never had, my daughters all got saved sitting in church. And they, and they were little like, they were already alive unto God. They were saved. And then all of a sudden, they were separated. And in church, they're like, I, I want to be saved. And Bridget goes, whoa. They got saved, sitting in the church. There was nothing, no big deal. Me, I flopped around like a tuna on the beach. When I tried to tell everybody how I got saved, nobody wanted to come to church with me because they thought that that's how you got saved. I got to flop around like a tuna on the beach. So I had to quit telling that story. Occasionally, it comes off my mouth here. And it's on CD, it's on cassette tape, it's on podcast now. And there are people who still think that way. We had to flop around like a tuna on the beach. No, it's just it was the way it happened to me. I had demons in me. But most of you probably got, had no devils in you when you got saved. Stand up so you can know you're getting out of here. Go ahead and stand up. I'll let you get out of here. You've got to have some hope. 